Welcome everybody to yet another episode of Late Night Bites with Oris, where we talk tech, gaming, and everything in between. I'm your host, James, and today we have a very special guest with us. She's one of the coolest Twitch streamers out there. She's even made it inside of, of Cyberpunk 2077, believe it or not. Um, everyone, I'd like to welcome Nega Oryx. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We just uh, chatted a little bit and you're such a, a lively personality, which is really awesome. Oh, thank you. You know, hopefully one of these times when we're uh, allowed to go back to events and everything's safe, you know, we can get you to stop by the our Oris booth. We have this massive, like, I think it's like 70 by 70 foot booth. And it's just like, we have like a ton of games, a ton of like uh, people. We'd love to get you in there. That'd be super cool to have you on, like on stage. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I miss going to conventions so much. And I don't think that's a thing I'd ever thought I would say. <laughs> but 2020 and, and being quarantined for so long has really made me miss going to cons. Yes. Oh my gosh. What? Okay. I guess out of all of the conventions, which one has to be maybe like your top one or two favorites going to every year? Definitely TwitchCon. TwitchCon without even thinking about it, hands down. I think the sense of community is just really specific at TwitchCon, you know, like at, at different conventions you go to, there can be sort of different pockets of maybe people you know in in certain areas or uh, very specific groups of different types of fans i've been to conventions before that are really massive and sprawling where i'll walk the whole floor and only feel like i find a couple things that interest me yeah. but twitchcon feels like there's something everywhere you look i'm everywhere i walk i'm running into someone that i know that i miss that i'm excited to meet in person for the first time TwitchCon, and I know, I swear this makes me sound like I'm like hashtag sponsored by TwitchCon, and I'm not. I swear <laughs> I'm not. But it genuinely does feel like the Twitch community like personified and brought to life in a physical space, you know? And I think they do such a good job of making it. There's there's panels if you want to learn from other streamers and, and hear people sharing their knowledge and their experiences, meet and greets with your favorite creators, you know, getting to walk the floor and and you know meet people like yourself at booths and connect with people representing brands or games and i always love hanging out at the tiltify charity plaza every year i do something with them and participate in some kind of charity fundraiser and i love that we get to do that in person you know most yeah. of the fundraising i do is normally on my stream on twitch and so to get to hang out with your favorite people both on stage and looking out at you from the audience, fundraise for charity. Uh, it, it's just, it's the best feeling and I miss it so much. <laughs> I'm so sad. I miss TwitchCon a lot. I know. Oh my gosh. Like I've been to TwitchCon once and just my experience there uh, was just through the roof. It was amazing getting to meet so many different types of people. Streamers are, you know, just like everyday people. And they're, yeah. they're just people that, uh, you know, just happen to have a, a, a mass following of audience that, you know, really loves them. But, you know, they're just like everyday people like you and me. And it's fun just meeting everyone at TwitchCon because it's it really just feels like you're not trying to meet like someone famous. You're just there because you know that you and a group of other people or, or a community of people are also there for the same reason, you know, to support people yeah. that you really like to see online. So that's really Absolutely. cool. And I, I love that it feels like it it can be as involved as you want it to be. Like if, you know, if you're someone like myself who has social anxiety, I think conventions can be a little overstimulating or overwhelming. Oh, yeah. And I like that at a convention like TwitchCon, everyone gets that, you know, like mm -hmm. nobody's going to be surprised if you say, hey, I need to just quietly decompress on my own for a little bit. Oh, yeah. uh, I feel like the, the Twitch community really understands that and even if you're not, you know, going to parties or staying out all night, it, it's still a really valuable, enjoyable experience. And meeting my community members in person is probably my favorite thing with streaming. It's probably like my happiest memories. Most of them are from meeting people at cons. So very much looking forward to when they are back and we can safely resume convention travel again. 
Yeah. <laughs> definitely looking forward to uh, hopefully fingers crossed like end of 2021, but definitely 2022 is hopefully when we get things back to uh, somewhat of a, of a normalcy, you know. Yeah, um, fingers crossed. But I guess for people who in our audience who are listening to this who maybe don't quite know who you are, do you want to give like a, a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Nega Oryx. I'm a full-time variety streamer on Twitch. Uh, I'm a Twitch ambassador. I'm a voice actor. You can hear me as the voice of Whisk in the indie game Cook Serve Delicious 3. And unfortunately, I'm not allowed to say the other roles that I'm currently recording because they're not out yet. Uh, so I guess keep an eye out for those. I'm also a freelance host, so I've hosted E3 for Twitch in the past, uh, Seattle Indie Showcase. I've done a bunch of really wonderful uh, hosting work with The Weekly on Twitch Gaming, a weekly gaming news and talk show. Uh, and I'm also a tabletop RPG player. So I'm a regular cast member on two different shows, uh, Salt Bay, Court of Thorns, and Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uh, which are on the Saving Throw Show and Table Story channels on Twitch. So if you're a fan of tabletop RPGs, I've been playing D&D for years. Uh, mm. I'm on a bunch of shows using other systems now, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. So I, I make a lot of content in a lot of different capacities. I'm also the co-founder and co-host of a book club on Twitch called Big Book Energy uh, with my good friend Jason Sully. So we are... Just wrapping up reading through the entire Percy Jackson and the Olympians series oh, with our community. Oh, what? That yeah. is one of my favorite books. It, it's such a bummer that you missed the episodes we did on it because it was so much fun. It was my first time reading them. Oh my gosh. I wish I could have tuned it. Dang it. Okay. All right. I'm setting well, my you know. schedule. Now yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Second Saturday of every month. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We last time we made themed cocktails as well. Ooh. So I did a dark and stormy because I felt like that suited, you know, Poseidon, oh, Percy yeah. kind of thing. And Jason did uh, like an like a blood of the gods thing where he put gold glitter into uh, a white claw because, you know, it's transparent. And yeah. when you swirl it, it makes it look like how they describe the god's blood being gold and glittery. Uh, oh, so yeah, we get. Yeah. We get way too into it. We're very excited. <laughs> wow. So that's been that's been a really special project that we launched during quarantine, actually, as a way to kind of get back into reading and, you know, encourage our community members to kind of reconnect with reading as a hobby. Uh, and we, for all of our revenue that we make from bits and subs, we support a charity called Saddle Up and Read which is a really wonderful nonprofit that I recommend everyone look into. It is black woman owned and she basically aims to increase literacy rates in underserved, underrepresented kind of communities uh, who don't often have access to books and to resources to help kids learn to read. Uh, and she has a ranch with horses and like invites kids to come and learn on this ranch through equine activities and books centered around, you know, for, for small kids, books centered around horses and learning about them. And the whole thing is so wholesome and we're so proud to support them. So it's all for a good cause. Wow, that's, yeah. I mean, it seems like you have so much being juggled around and yet your voice and, and your tonality, it's all composed. I have <laughs> no idea how you do it. I mean... Uh, first off, I mean, let me just say that everything that you're doing with charity is is just amazing to hear. I don't really get to to see a lot of people dedicated to such you know good causes. So, um, you know, that's it's really awesome. And if yes, for anyone that out there is listening to this podcast, um, definitely go check out those charities that were mentioned. I will definitely do so as well. But again, just being able to support charities that mean a lot to you is such a noble thing to do and very, very kind and heartwarming. So that's really awesome to hear. And on top of that, you know, you're doing voice acting, you're doing uh, streaming and hosting. How how do you juggle everything? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I wish I knew the answer. If, if, if I'm being honest, I think it's because this is this is my whole life you know this is my whole world i've definitely had to 
give up things along the way. Like we all have the same 24 hours in the day. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've definitely missed out on things over the years, you know, and, and let go of a lot of personal things. I don't have a ton of time in my personal life for stuff outside of work, but it's because I love what I do so much. I'm incredibly passionate and I'm also incredibly stubborn, <laughs> which <laughs> isn't always a good thing but like i i don't want to ever give up or or compromise being able to pursue things outside of streaming for instance you know mm-hmm. i i love my community they're the whole reason why i enjoy streaming so much and and sharing experiences experiencing stories with them connecting with characters with them i never want to lessen the amount of time that i'm able to do that But something that's really helped me over the past year or two as I've kind of ramped up doing more voiceover, hosting, tabletop work is kind of remembering that at the end of the day, I'm not just a streamer. When I'm, I I think of the broad label of content creator is like all of that makes content for my community to enjoy. You know, they, I feel really fortunate that they show up for the hosting gigs that I do. They watch the shows that I host they, you know, listen to the podcasts that I'm on and come through to the tabletop shows that I'm on. And it's really incredible having a community and an audience that I genuinely think, you know, appreciates and enjoys my work, regardless of if it's at twitch.tv slash negaorix or not, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't always make a difference in terms of how many hours in a day there is to get it done but it does make a difference remembering that it's all worth it because i'm making stuff that people care about and especially in a year like 2020 that we just went through it was such a driving force of purpose to know that it was helping other people get through quarantine you know oh yeah definitely and i think it's because of you know people like you that the everyday person can kind of get through this what was 2020 and what will be 2021. And that's really awesome. And that's good to hear that you're able to manage all of this stuff well, <laughs> however you do it, whatever the secret sauce is. But um, <laughs> again, it's it's really awesome to hear. And, you know, a lot of people I know, it's either, you know, just streaming or just voice acting or just gaming or whatever it may be. But, you know, when you add on, you know, one after another, sometimes you spread yourself too thin, but it looks like you have a pretty nice support system, a, you know, a pretty good way to decompress, to relax, uh, to separate, you know, work from relaxation. And I'm glad to hear that. Is there any kind of standout things that you do for like relaxation, like more reading or playing with your, your pets or anything like that? I definitely think that starting this book club with my buddy Jason has been really helpful for getting me to slow down a little bit and get into reading. Uh, When he and I, you know, described the process of launching this new channel together, it should sound like a lot of work to like launch an entirely new channel and a brand and to build a community in a different space. But Mm -hmm. I think for both of us, it's more enjoyable and recharging than it is like work or draining, which has been really, really nice. So getting back into reading has helped a lot. And my, so I live with a dog and three cats. I have quite a few pets and they are my favorite living creatures on the face of this earth. And anytime, (laughs) anytime that I'm getting overwhelmed, overworked, stressed out, I spend time with them and it makes me feel a hundred times better. Like I know, I know there's research that's been done about how it literally helps lower like cortisol, the the stress hormone mm. or whatever that we produce just petting cats for like yeah. a couple minutes a day. Like they are, when they're not getting into mischief, they are very relaxing. <laughs> uh, one of my cats has taken to, she never used to be cuddly. She is such a skittish animal. She used to kind of keep to herself And just over the course of quarantine, I don't know why. I don't know how she can tell something's different. I guess because I never leave the house now. (laughs) That's probably (laughs) it. But she's taken to being like a lap dog. And 
she'll sleep next to my head every night and like sleep on my arm like a little spoon and little things like that, like taking just a couple extra minutes to be present with them, I think helps, helps me not be completely plugged into the internet 24 seven, you know? Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'm with you on the same level. Every time I need like a break from work or whatever it may be, um, I'll just, you know, cuddle up with my two dogs. They're both very uh, cuddly as well and kind of just take a minute to give them pets and they'll just kind of lick me. My one dog has like an obsession with just licking my leg. I have no idea why. <laughs> this guy just goes up and he just keeps licking and I mean, it seems like it calms him and it's just, it's just really awesome just to have pets. Even things like, you know, hamsters, anything that allows you to be, I guess, compassionate towards another living thing really helps just your overall mindset in my opinion absolutely i agree 100 yeah. percent. i do want to go back to this book club so i mean i know that you have like your streaming audience and you didn't mention like your book club audience do mm -hmm. you find it hard trying to manage and grow two separate audiences or do you think that you know whoever is into book reading who's already a part of your live your uh, twitch streaming audience will just kind of naturally flow on there and it'll kind of grow on its own do you kind of strategize with uh, your partner or do you let it grow organically there how does how does that work we kind of do a bit of both so both of us are full-time streamers and uh jason is actually a, a new dad he and his oh, he and his amazing wife gabs just had a baby their first baby uh she's about i think 11 months old now oh, wow. so she's almost a year uh and i'm amazed absolutely amazed at how much jason gets done with that kind of commitment and that kind of change with his family you know um so we we're very fortunate that both of our communities are incredibly kind, incredibly engaged and active and really show up when we do other projects. Mm -hmm. So part of it has been kind of trusting that it'll grow on its own. And a lot of the community that we're growing with book club is us kind of combining our separate audiences together and discovering that a lot of them are like inviting friends that aren't normally even on Twitch, you know, like friends that they have outside of internet spaces that like to read. And I think quarantine has been a really unique factor in bringing new people in because a lot of people are missing going to things like book clubs in person, right? You know, oh, yeah. like sh sharing these kind of hobbies with people face to face. I think a lot of people are starting to move online for them so it's definitely something that i wish gosh i have a wish list a mile long of ways that i would love to you know brand book club and market it and expand it and do more content with it and going back to there only being 24 hours in the day it's one of the things where i think as we continue to do more and more of it will get to implement those ideas more for now it's a little more relaxed and it's a little more setting things in place and trusting that you know we'll find our audience and and the people who are enjoying it are loving it which is amazing to see but i do sometimes wish that i could time travel just so i could go back to like six hours earlier in the day and get like another six hours of work done you know <laughs> yeah uh, trust me i exactly <laughs> i know exactly what you mean it's there definitely are not enough hours in the day for yeah. <laughs> anything yeah and i think that's just universal I, I can't even tell you how many times it's like oh man it's already the end of the the work day but i still have so much to do um, oh yeah and i find that you know the same with you know everyone that i talk to so you know i think the best thing we can do again is just work our hardest and hopefully try and time manage the best we can time management is actually something that i've been trying to work on in terms of just being able to slice my time into specific hours of the day to to try and be more productive mm. uh, sometimes for example on my lunch i'll try and decompress and you know maybe play like a, a little bit of games or something like that or i'll go out and, and exercise but before I would kind of just maybe work and, and eat at my desk. Um, yeah. But, you know, sometimes you just have to realize that some things, you know, aren't that 
helpful to you in the long run. You know, you may get absolutely. You know, you may get like one hour of work extra done, but you know, how is that compared to your mental health, your physical health, and uh, and all of that? Yeah, Um, and I think another thing that we don't often think about is how it impacts the quality of our work when we don't have time to decompress and recharge. You know? Oh yeah. I for a long time, I want to say for the first maybe for the first like three or four years that I was doing this in like a really long time, I completely stopped playing video games outside of streaming them. My, because it was my job and I was working so many hours, I never made time to game offline. It was just, if I'm going to be sitting down and playing a video game, I'm streaming it. Otherwise I'm in meetings, working on voiceover stuff, hosting stuff, TTRPG prep, in more meetings, <laughs> answering emails, <laughs> you know, working with my moderators, commissioning art, doing branding, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't making time for actual gaming just for the sake of enjoying it. And I started getting really, really, really burnt out about sometime in like 2019. I got really badly burnt out. Wow. And something that kind of helped bring me back and reconnect me to why I love doing this in the first place was making time to play video games off stream and to actually play games without talking over them and without talking to a chat at the same time, maybe playing games that I wouldn't normally stream, but I was still interested in playing that, that kind of stuff recharges us more than I think we realize. And as much as I love talking about how awesome it is to be able to do so many things work-wise, I think it's really valuable to also highlight even the busiest people need to hit the pause button and check out and do things just for them. And you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, you have to refill at some point. I completely agree. And I feel like I keep saying this, but I'm also the same in terms of, you know, my, I work for Gigabyte Wars. It's a, it's a gaming company slash PC hardware brand. We also do, you know, gaming live streams and stuff like that. And, you know, days where I have to also do gaming live streams, I will also, you know, come home and, and when I'm done, I'll play games on my own time. And, and my wife is always like, Hey, why do you play games? You just play games at work. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, it's, it's different than playing at work than at home. Cause you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to be a little bit more professional. I'm trying to, to play games that other people will maybe want to see. And, you know, when, when I'm playing at home, I don't want to maybe don't necessarily want to talk to anyone or maybe just play with my friends where I can, you know, maybe curse a little bit or yeah. know, play some fun games and kind of just, it, it's a different experience. The The category of gaming may be the same, yes, but the experience I'm having from work gaming and pleasure gaming, completely different. And that's really good to hear that you're able to, that you're able to get that uh, offline time of, of gaming by yourself, which is, is really awesome. Yeah, I think it helps a lot. Is there a specific game that really got you through that burnout when you were kind of just, you know, kind of decompressing that whole time? Yeah, definitely. I was very much in a rut. And when I would stream, I would go live and I would only do just chatting for a while because I was so burnt out from gaming that I was like, I can't even play video games and talk at the same time. Uh, I'm just so not into it. And for a while, I would try to force myself to play the same games that I was used to and that my community was used to. And finally, I was like, I got to try something totally out of left field. I got to try something I've never played before. And I think I picked up like uh, an FPS game that I'd never tried and kind of thought, eh, that's not my cup of tea. And then I saw a game that a community member had gifted me that I had never tried before because it looked too scary. Uh, and I had seen other streamers play it and it looked really violent and I was freaked out and I thought, oh, I can't handle that. And I don't know why, but that night I was like, you know what? We got to mix it up. We got to try something different. I'm going to try this game Dead by Daylight. I don't know anything about it really. (laughs) It looks scary, but I'm going to try it. And it just, I blinked and hours went by. (laughs) I think like my immediate next stream, I was like, okay, hear me out, everyone. I know this isn't what I normally play. I know this is very different. A lot of you might not be interested in it, but I can't stop thinking about this game. 
and I just did not stop playing it. I put in, I want to say like, I think I'm at 600 hours now. Whoa, 600. That's awesome. (laughs) What? Which like people who have been playing it since the game released obviously have thousands of hours and I'm sure they're like, 600, what a baby, what an infant. (laughs) But for somebody who's new to the game, who also, you know, I do a lot of work that is not playing video games. Mm -hmm. That was a huge chunk of time for me to completely fall in love with a game. And I started streaming it every day. And for the first time, it was a game that I found that I found just as much like joy playing off stream as I did on stream. It was the first time that I, as someone who comes from a single player game background, Mm -hmm. growing up, I didn't have friends who were gamers and I didn't have consoles that had online capabilities. Like the most recent console I had when I was a kid was a PlayStation 2. So at most, you know, you were plugging in a second controller and you would have someone sit next to you and play it. But I wasn't on an Xbox playing Halo with my friends, you know? Yeah, exactly. Gaming was always a really solitary experience for me. It was something that I did alone, quietly, and it was just an experience for me and me by myself. So discovering a an online multiplayer game that I liked was like life-changing for me in terms of Twitch because I'd never played a game that I could stream with other people before, which is actually how I met my buddy Jason Sully, who we ended up creating a big book energy together. We had a mutual friend who DM'd me and was like, my buddy Jason wants to try this Dead by Daylight game. And, you know, I know you just started playing it. I think y'all should learn it together. And so we started streaming together and uh, both are now a part of Dead by Daylight's partner program, the Fog Whisperers. Oh, that's Uh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, we both got into the game at the same time. And it's been really wonderful kind of stepping into a new games community and bringing... My community has a pre-existing disposition towards... All sugar, no salt is how we describe it. I don't really get salty in games. Mm -hmm. I don't get sweaty. I don't angrily yell in post-game chat. I'm not breaking controllers if a game (laughs) doesn't go my way, you know? And I think bringing that kind of mindset to an online multiplayer community can be really refreshing. And I've met a lot of people through that directory that are excited to see... uh, like wholesome positivity in the game, which is really nice. That is good to hear. Yeah, I mean, the all sugar, no spice is all, or no salt is is really good. Looking at a lot of streamers now, and not a lot of streamers, but I think a lot of the popular streamers that maybe may be known on Twitch, like let's say Doctor Disrespect or Tyler One, or you know maybe Ninja. Sometimes they'll. They will have that uh, spicy moment, I guess we can say, which is funny to watch. But, you know, when you have that wholesome community, it is really it is a refreshing change of of pace there. Now, I know that you have done we did talk about your your voice acting career. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because from from gaming and, and voice acting and hosting, I feel like that's just like, a again, like a whole spread of a variety of things here. Can you tell me a little bit about your, I guess, your your start in voice acting when that happened? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my background prior to Twitch was working behind the scenes in film, television, and live theatrical events for about 10 years. Uh, I really grew up in the entertainment industry, and I had always worked behind the scenes. My last job actually before I started streaming was at a talent agency that exclusively repped clients for voiceovers. So I worked as an agent's assistant and I assisted on, you know, casting breakdowns, uh, recording voice actors in the booth for their auditions, editing auditions, you know, working closely with casting. Uh, listening to reads, kind of getting a sense for how it works. Mm -hmm. Never in a million years did I think that I would be on the other side of it. I had been streaming for a couple of years and I randomly got this like, essentially like a cold call email being like, hey, uh, 
you know, I'm an indie game dev. Here's my company. Here's what we do. We're working on a new game. And I was just curious, have you done any voice acting? And I was like, oh, I have not. I don't I don't know if you want to work with me. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you really, really sure? And they were like, yeah, we're sure. We really like you and we think you're going to be good at this. And the whole time I was just sweating. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like they seem to think I'll do a good job, but what if I don't? And obviously like I have a background in tabletop, which very heavily, especially when it comes to being live streamed, it very heavily relies on performance and improv at the table. And a lot of it is acting and thinking quickly on your feet. So I was like, I don't know, I just because I'm good enough to do tabletop RPGs, am I going to be good at voice acting? And it was just such a, it was such an unexpected gift out of the blue. Voice acting is something that so many people try so hard to break into the industry that when I had the opportunity just kind of like fall into my lap, I was like, I'm not going to mess this up. So I immediately hired a coach that was a former client actually of the agency that I used to work at. Okay. And we used to recommend people to go to him to, you know, work on auditions, work on scripts. And I went to him and I was like, I'm so scared. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I have never professionally voice acted before. I have some acting experience and I just I want to do this justice. I don't want to screw it up. So I started reading a lot of materials and like resources on acting started doing a lot of prep on that side, working with a coach to kind of go through the script, go through the lines. And after I wrapped that first project, it was so bittersweet because I was so proud of the work that we did by the end of it. And I just was so upset that it was over. Like I immediately wanted to be back in the booth recording again. And so once that project Cook Serve Delicious 3 wrapped, I was like, I, I got to figure out how to do this long term. And since then, it's been something that I've been working at behind the scenes. I, I will have updates very soon. I'm recording uh, a couple of new games this summer that I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in a couple things in terms of the voiceover industry, because essentially it's not super safe with COVID to go into shared studio spaces just because of uh, the way that the air filtration works. You know, yeah, definitely. you can't you can't do voiceover with a mask on, obviously, mm -hmm. things like that. So, you know, it, it's definitely accelerated the need to improve my setup at home a lot faster than I would have otherwise. I, I would not have invested quite so quickly in uh, what I've recently got, which is I'm having a home booth assembled here and I will have like a full soundproof voiceover broadcast quality studio in my office, which is going to be really exciting. That's, uh, oh my God, that is like literally one of my dreams to have a, oh, a yeah? sound booth. Me, myself, actually, I'm not into voice acting like or like as in like a, a hobby or anything like that, but I'm actually... My background is in filmmaking. I do a lot of narrative films and stuff like that. So I do a lot of camera work, cinematography, but I've always wanted kind of my own like mini recording booth for like voiceovers, for um, yeah. like, like a ADR, stuff like that, uh, for Foley. Yeah. And um, that's really awesome. You got to let me know how that, how it turns out and, and, you know, if it was worth it, because that is really awesome. And Absolutely. You know, I'll keep you posted. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and something I did want to ask is, I guess when you got your first job, was there mm -hmm. anything you did for practice, uh, I guess, for aspiring voice actors? Believe it or not, my uh, little brother is trying to do voice acting as well. And so mm -hmm. I guess for aspiring voice actors, do you is there any sort of way that you would recommend them to practice in terms of like, I guess yeah. their, their unique style or whatever that may be is, do you have any kind of uh, advice there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the two big pieces of advice that I give to people are, one, I think the common misconception that people have about, about voice acting, I always hear from people who are like, I'm great at cartoon impressions. So like, <laughs> I, I should be a voice actor. 
And and while that can be valuable and there definitely is work to be booked for doing what's called voice matching uh, and you can definitely do that. It's not like the number one thing that should determine whether or not you get into it as a career. You know, I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is the acting. It's just a different kind of acting. Right. And if anything, it's. in theory, a little more difficult because you're trying to sell the audience on something that they can't see. They can only hear yeah. your performance, right? Exactly. So I think a lot of people get really excited to get into the voice side of it without like building that foundation of acting up. And every voice actor that I know usually gives the same advice of getting into improv and genuinely like studying the same way you would if you were trying to be an on-camera actor, right? Like getting a solid foundation of acting skills and improv is so, so, so helpful for that. It Training yourself to react, to think on your feet quickly and to, you know, play off of someone as well can help when you're not playing off of anyone, right? Because you're recording on your own. Yeah. It'll make it feel a little more natural. Um, and I think the... Other thing that is the less fun piece of advice, but is totally true. Most people who want to get into voiceover want to do it for one of two things, animation or voice or uh, video games. Mm-hmm. Agencies that you're going to want to, you know, eventually one day get signed by to represent you to get bigger uh, gigs don't really make much in residuals off of that. And that's not how agencies make their money. Mm -hmm. So agencies make their money off of bigger departments like commercials where residuals go on and on and on. And they can have you record one line once and, you know, cash checks for it for the next couple of years, which is totally a thing that I dealt with when I was at the agency. It totally happens. I see. So (laughs) having a background, not just in like solid character work, but actually practicing commercial reads, practicing promos. It's such an under, I don't want to say understudied side of it, but like for people who are new to voiceover, I feel like they don't know how important it is to be able to present skills for the gigs that maybe don't seem as fun to you up front, but agencies are going to be really excited to know that you can book commercial work. And then you can audition for video games and animation as well. But they're definitely going to want to know you can book the like money making gigs, you know? I see. So it's more of like an like an overlooked aspect of, of voice yeah. acting. I see. Okay. And so this is one thing that uh, I've always, or I guess not always seen, but I've heard. And I guess, I don't know if it's controversial or not, or maybe some people recommend you do it. Some people don't. But do you recommend using uh, freelance sites like Fiverr to, to get experience slash make a little bit of money while you're at it to try and do uh, and practice your voice acting would you recommend things like that or do you would you just recommend to try and just focus solely on the the core basics of it personally i wouldn't like advise anyone to look to fiverr uh especially because at the end of the day most people hiring stuff on fiverr are like if you're getting experience without constructive feedback from professionals who know what they're looking for, you're not really getting experience. Like if if I were to be, I don't know, recording something right now, and if I did a terrible job of a, a, a line read or like um, a, a dub or an ad read or something, mm-hmm. and if you're not a voiceover professional, you're not going to know if I did a good job or not, right? Of course. So it's almost, it's almost like, so I, I used to dance when I was younger and our one of my favorite dance teachers would always say when we would be doing run throughs of pieces before performances, she would say, don't just go through the motions and do it halfway because your muscle memory will remember it halfway. Do it all out and like, you know, train your body that when you're on the stage and you're doing it, do it all out. And it's, I kind of think it's a little similar where Certainly practice on your own, right? But you're not going to like get anything out of a five or ten dollar gig off of Fiverr that you couldn't get just from practicing in your own time. I think the the time and energy would be better spent studying and taking classes if you can 
that's going to be instrumental. And a lot of classes are also taught by professionals who sometimes double as casting directors. You know, part of going to classes is obviously learning, but the other part is networking, being in a room or a Zoom call with your peers, <laughs> getting to know people in the space and really getting a sense of where you're at. I kind of think like the desire to just uh, set yourself up with a mic and, and hop onto Fiverr is kind of like putting the cart before the horse a little bit. I see. And it can be, I think usually the best the best advice is like, learn first and then try and book paid work once you kind of have a, a solid foundation, you know, which is, is very similar to the advice that you see a lot of streamers giving out. You always see people signing up for Twitch accounts being like posting on Reddit, you know, I decided I'm going to start streaming. Should I drop out of college to pursue it? And people are like, oh my God, please try it first. What are you doing? Like, just just try it first before you presume anyone's going to pay you to do this. Like, get into it, learn. And that was very much, I, I spent a year streaming before I went full time, you know? And it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of voice acting where like you dedicate a certain chunk of your time kind of studying it and and building up that skill set before doing it as a professional, I think is usually the way to go about it. Yeah, that's really good advice uh, for, for beginners out there. And I guess my last uh, question would be, do you think that if you're starting out, you need you know, really high-end equipment to be able to, you know, build your like quote-unquote reel when you build that out? Or uh, what's your take on uh, recording equipment? I think you don't need high-end equipment when you're starting out in terms of determining if you enjoy this and determining if it's something that you want to pursue. So, you know, if you're exploring voiceover as something that you're interested in, you can absolutely get started with, you know, a, a plug and play mic for the purpose of taking classes and practicing, right? When it comes time to book work and like deliver stuff that is usable, you are going to need a certain standard of quality, but that standard of quality doesn't necessarily mean that you need like a booth at home with a $1,500 mic and a $1,000 mixer that it's running through. And like, it doesn't necessarily mean top of the line. A lot of the voice actors that I would recommend looking at uh, their websites, a lot of voice actors have websites with sections that are like, how to become a voice actor. And a lot of them have sections like i i think d bradley baker has a really comprehensive section on his website about depending on your budget how to make a home studio out of different things from at your desk in a closet how to soundproof using things like blankets or stuff that you have around the house you know where can you cut corners where can you save money and kind of mm -hmm. skimp on purchases a little bit versus where does it count so one of his pieces of advice is like, no, you're not going to be doing professional work with a USB mic, but yeah, you can get away with cheaper, uh, you know, recording in a closet with soundproofing up. There were so many actors that I used to work with back on my time behind the scenes at an agency where they were sitting in a closet with makeshift padding on the walls, just with a decent mic to record. Yeah, those were working professionals you know yeah definitely it's more of like the i think it's the same in the film industry it's how creative can you get uh, in order to make your situation work and i think yeah that's exactly what you're you're saying right now and and i think it does hold true you know you don't need to have you know the latest and greatest as long as you're able to get what you need to get out in the manner that you're trying to to say it or, or get it across kind of like short films uh, i guess in yeah. the film industry a lot of pilots are actually shot on like phones nowadays as just like a proof of concept because they they don't need this high production they just need to see if the story is good and if the if the lines can be delivered correctly if the yeah. concept is good then let's put money behind it 
and then we'll get you your guy you know your, your upgraded camera and gear and all that stuff and i think it's the same way as long as you can get that get your main point across with your your voice acting you know you don't need four hundred dollar sure microphone or you know whatever it is yeah i definitely recommend looking at like like as you mentioned in in the film industry a lot of those examples are like not making investments and upgrades until you're getting paid to book work kind of thing you know yeah uh like you want a certain level of you kind of got to cut your teeth on things and and get a little bit of experience before dropping a ton of money and that's something that i see a lot in streaming as well a lot of people are like i've decided to become a streamer so I need a $500 mixer and a DSLR instead of a webcam and, you know, RGB light, everything, everywhere, and the best mic and the best headset. And it's like, when I started streaming, I, I started streaming in a literal closet. I, at the time, rented a bedroom with, like, a little bathroom and closet attached, and I took all of the clothes that were hanging up in the closet off and i took the shelf down and then sanded it and painted it so it would just my head wouldn't hit it when i would sit down what and i had a the only thing that i could afford to like buy at the time which i remember feeling like oh i hope this pays off was a 20 dollars headset from amazon that was like <laughs> my big investment piece because i didn't i only had apple earbuds and i used like a macbook with the built-in camera garbage internet like i i just did that so i could figure out if i liked it or not you know yeah and i think that's the most important thing is just getting that experience just like you said trying yeah. it out uh the, the last thing you want to do is get a little bit in over your head before you absolutely know this is what yeah. you want to do i mean that that's definitely great advice so there is something i did want to go back to and i think this maybe goes maybe supposedly in tandem with your your hosting side of of believe it or not your one million plus talents um <laughs> so i did want to talk about you know your experience in cyberpunk so i know that i'm not too sure how big of the rule was but i've actually seen the the stuff inside cyberpunk it's a lot of like the advertisement stuff is, is that correct yeah yeah and i'm I, a that is a so model cool. that is so cool can you talk a little bit more about that? How did that even, I don't even know. How does that, how does one come across that opportunity? Because you're in what is, you know, undoubtedly known as the, one of the biggest games of 2020 and potentially, you know, the, the decade. Yeah, it was, it was really wild. And it was something that had happened a couple of years ago now. So I was sitting on that secret for a really, really, really long time. And then every time the game would get delayed, I'd be like, oh, I have to wait to announce I'm in it one more time. <laughs> and and uh, it only really came about, actually, because a couple years ago, at I want to say PAX West, I think. I think it was PAX West. Uh, I just, you know, went out for the night to meet up with a bunch of streamer friends mm -hmm. and it was very, very crowded and loud in the bar that everyone was at. So I went to sit outside with a friend instead and uh, ended up seated at a table with a bunch of people I didn't know. And one of them was very kind. He could tell that I was a little shy and maybe a little uh, anxious to be around so many people. And so he was very sweet and came and sat with me and kind of uh, we just kind of chit-chatted with each other for a long time because I think he could tell that I was a little out of place, which was very kind of him. Mm -hmm. And he ended up being an employee at CD Projekt Red. So oh. we ended up following each other on Twitter and just kind of any time that I would be at a convention, I would message them and be like, I'm going to stop by the booth. I'm so excited to see you guys. And they are they were just the sweetest people. I was always really, really excited to see them whenever, you know, there was... Uh, a convention that I was able to attend and out of the blue, I just got an email like, Hey, it's CD project red. Please sign an NDA before we tell you literally anything that we want to ask you right now. <laughs> like there was no information. It was just like, hi, do you want to hear about a thing? Sign this <laughs> paper and tell nobody anything. 
And so it was all very, very, very hush hush secret. Yeah, top secret. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And so it was. I, my brain is so fuzzy on the details, but I want to say it was like a year and a half to two years that I waited to announce that I was in the game. Like it was very far in advance of. Uh, I had to, you know, send pictures of my head from like every conceivable angle. And I had no idea what the ad in the game was going to be. And I mm -hmm. also didn't know if it was even going to make it into the final game because so much changes in game development, you know? Oh, yeah, if, definitely. If they had designed an asset that was like, uh, I don't know, a specific type of billboard that's tied to a region that they ended up scrapping, then I would have been scrapped along with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't know until very 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 close to the game actually being released if i was going to be in it or not which was pretty wild and even then i didn't know how frequently my ad would show up i kind of thought ah maybe it'll just be in one area in the game and you know i'll have to play it for hours before i find it and it's been so wild like people still tweet me screenshots of them being like, oh my God, is this you in Cyberpunk? Of, you know, their characters standing next to the billboard because it's everywhere in the game, which is really wild to see. I think one of my favorite uh, moments or, or clips that I've seen of you is um, it's you and your character posing with the, the ad. Oh, it's yeah. So funny. It's so funny. It's, so cool. It's weird. It's like, it's like Inception. There's three of us all in one photo, and it's very weird to look like because I made my character look like me too. Yeah, you made it. You made your character look exactly like you, which is so cool. It's um, so surreal. Oh, it's, it's it's weird looking at it, and uh, yeah, it was very very surreal experience that still does not feel like it actually happened. That's really awesome. I I love the game. You know, I know it has been getting a lot of flack for its bugs, but I think at the core, it's a it's a really good game very fun for me sometimes i don't have the patience to really sit through what is maybe like a 30 hour um story time but actually for that game i think i have which i know maybe isn't too much but i had like uh, 60 or 70 hours on it because before i would even before i even started i think what is was after the prologue i was already miles ahead of what i think the average person would be because i was just taking my time exploring the city and it was just so fun um that game is so fun i really love it and it's really awesome that you got to be a part of you know that experience thank you it was very surreal to this day <laughs> <laughs> so one of the last things i did want to talk to you about today is kind of want to end it here on a good note is is about all of the the, the charity work that you do can you talk a little bit more about that? What, I guess, made you decide to dedicate a lot of, you know, your streams, your your book club, a lot of the, the portion of works that you do towards charity? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, ultimately, I kind of fell into streaming on accident. I never intended to be a full-time streamer. Uh, things escalated rather quickly as I got into streaming and... <laughs> I kind of have spent my entire career playing catch up as things have kind of grown and grown. And so really quickly, I realized I never intended to have an online following, but I don't see the point to having a platform if you're not going to use it to leave the world a little bit of a better place than how you found it. You know, I I couldn't imagine having any significant sized audience and and not speaking about things that are important and not trying to make a difference and and put a little bit of good into the world so pretty early on discovering you know tiltify which makes it possible for us to do charity streams without the financial hassle of you know money touching our hands as soon as i discovered tiltify i was like i'm in this makes life so much easier. I can just stream for charities now. And it has been so incredible. In the past, I want to say the past like three years since I started fundraising on Twitch, we've raised more than $200,000 with my community. 200000 
Yeah, that, for oh man, a, a pretty wide range of charities. We've worked with WWF Australia, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Uh, we have worked for you know campaigns for No Kid Hungry, um, and some really incredible, incredible charities. Which I'm always looking to kind of expand our reach. Uh, recently. I did a stream for the Trevor Project with a tabletop RPG channel that I'm a part of. Um, we have one coming up soon that I won't spoil, but it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> I won't spoil just in case we plan any surprises for it. Okay, okay. But it's it's been really incredible. And obviously it's amazing hearing things from the charities directly about you know, St. Jude, for instance, is really wonderful about giving us breakdowns of every X amount of money you raise, here's what you're funding. You know, for every $20 you raise, here's how we use it, which is amazing. And it and it feels, it makes it feel a lot more tangible and a lot more real. But honestly, the best part of it to me has been the number of community members that I've heard from who have said, I never used to give money to charity until I got involved with Twitch. I never used to, you know, give so much until I started following streamers who fundraise. Uh, or I never used to know about these issues or these causes. And it has been so amazing. Obviously, like any amount of money raised for charity is impactful. If you take the time out of your day to raise $10, that is $10 a charity didn't have before you took the time to make that happen. Any dollar amount is is valuable is any dollar amount is valuable, valid and impactful. But the the biggest impact in my mind has been seeing people who watch these streams feel more motivated to get involved with charities as a result and and to be more of an active member of these communities. And to really care and get involved with these issues, you know? Yeah, I agree. I've, Oris has, has uh, in Gigabyte, has done something as well with charity. And um, I also can attest to there's nothing that gets an audience more riled up, or I guess riled up in a good way or motivated, just like you said, than when it in includes a good cause. And just like you said, and I think a lot of people um, don't realize this, but it's exactly like you said, where it doesn't matter the dollar amount that you offer, whether it's $1, $10, 20 $50, If we were even to all just donate $1 and you had, you know, 50,000 viewers for that live stream or whatever it may be, that's $50,000 that is going towards that cause. You know, yeah. just $1 makes a difference, believe it or not. And I do encourage anyone who watches any streamer or any stream that in involves you know charities um to try and find it in your in your heart uh, and in your wallet <laughs> to try and, and <laughs> donate what you can and what is comfortable for you again it doesn't have to be some large sum of amount but offering whatever you can to help someone else in need always just makes the world a better place and you know hopefully one day that will also be paid forward as well it's it's something that's very near and dear to my heart, and it makes me really happy to see so many streamers getting involved with charitable efforts. I highly recommend, you know, if anyone listening is a streamer themselves, I also think it's important to remember you don't need an audience of thousands of people or hundreds of people or dozens of people. You can have an impactful charity stream with whatever size community you have. Uh, sometimes even just raising awareness and and holding space for these kinds of discussions can be immensely impactful as well. So I don't want anyone to ever count themselves out or feel like they're not at a place where they would be able to make a difference because whether you can donate or not, whether you can fundraise for yourself or not, there's there's always ways to get involved and be active and to support causes that really deserve it. Most definitely. And thank you, Negaorgs, for, for ending on that note. I think it is a beautiful note to end on. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on today. This was wonderful. Of course. And uh, I guess uh, for anyone out there, do you want to let the people know what you have going on next? If you have anything you want to you wanna plug? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on all social medias. I'm on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all under Nega Oryx. That is N-E-G-A-O-R-Y-X. I mostly share updates for things like announcing the video games I'm going to be a part of, uh, you know, events that I'm hosting, or new tabletop RPG shows all on Twitter, so that's the best place to be. And I do have two new TTRPG shows I'm going to be a part of this year, so keep an eye out for that announcement. And as I said, I'm recording a couple new video games as well, voiceover-wise, so if you want to get involved with Book Club, uh, all that and more, just following along on socials is the best way to do so. And uh, let me know that this is how you found me. Come say hi. Definitely. If you are from the podcast, definitely uh, drop a drop a, a comment saying that you are from the Late Night Bites podcast. <laughs> that would be really awesome. I will definitely be tuning into more of your streams, Nego Works, and especially the charity ones where I'm excited to see uh, what you have planned and your book club. That one, I am. I am there. Definitely count me in. <laughs> Thank you. I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> of course. So thank you, everybody, for watching. This episode is brought to you by Oris and Intel Z490 motherboard, Z590 motherboards. Uh, feel free to get them at your e-teller, retailer of choice. Best for the pros. Check out all the models. And if you like today's episode, you can find more Oris Late Night Bites podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, pretty much wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's here every Saturday at 8 p.m. PST. Nega Oryx, thank you again so much. And I really do hope that our paths cross sometime offline in the future. <laughs> thank you. Me too. Alrighty. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Bye.